So today on the Women Mind the Water Art of a Series on WomenMindTheWater.com, I'm speaking with Merle Levon. Merle can be identified by many titles, among them are aquapreneur, plastic pollution reduction advocate, and Guinness World Record holder. On April 15th of this year, in a little over 14 hours, Merle swam 50 kilometers, a record-setting swim for the longest distance with a monofin. She swam using only her lower body, undulating it up and down mermaid style. The Women Mind the Water Art of the Series podcast on womenmindthewater.com engages artists in conversation about their work and explores their connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. I am speaking with Merle Yvonne. Merle, who was born in Estonia, is a three-time Baltic swim champion, two-time silver medalist in world ice swimming, and has a series of Guinness World Records for long-distance swims using a monofin. She's an aquapreneur and a philanthropist in many things related to swimming and the ocean. Welcome, Merle. Thank you for joining me on the Women Mind the Water Artivist Series podcast. Your credentials are impressive, they're inspiring, and I'm really excited to meet my first mermaid. I typically begin an interview by asking the guests to tell us a little bit about where they grew up. So please tell us something about the country and the place where you grew up. I grew up in a seaside. It's called Baltic Sea in, in Estonia. And I always dreamed about blue ocean. And uh, while Estonia is so tiny little country, it's full of rich culture. I mean, we were first country in the world who really stopped basically World War II by singing and dancing. We didn't have any war to to finish the occupation from Soviet Union. We always have been type of people who thinks outside the box. So if you are familiar with Skype, Skype is from my country. Um, we have been living on blockchain world since I was in middle school. We, we vote on blockchain system last 20 years soon and all the, our banks and everything is on tech. So. So we are also first country in the world who can sign government documents by Apple Watch. And I have actually opened a company while being in the ocean and doing that through blockchain. So I think Estonia itself is a country what loves to test the exciting things by thinking about how we can enjoy more nature and, and but same time getting things done. Very exciting. I didn't know any of that about Estonia. So it seems you were an active child, but you didn't take to the water until you were 11 years old. So what made you decide it was time to learn how to swim? So when I was growing up, I loved looking Olympics and I loved uh, creating even a cross-country skiing behind my house, the tracks. And then I did dancing and and I was always active, but my lungs constantly struggled. And I was premature, actually, when I was born. So I had a lot of health issues. I spent quite time in hospital bed, watching a ceiling and thinking like, hey, I would like to be on a practice instead of suffering with my health concerns. And then it got to the point where um, my family doctor 
recommended me to learn to swim so I can learn to ventilate my lungs mm. because my lungs were about to collapse. And, and that's how I kind of took the swimming lessons and, and really fell in love with water really fast. It's amazing that you went from somebody who was laying in a hospital bed to all that you've achieved. And your bio says that it took you only a year before you yet ranked among the top Estonian swimmers. I mean, that's a good deal of work. What was it about swimming that unlocked that kind of dedication? So I think that discipline came from my parents, definitely. And I know there were days when my father asked my mom, is it a good idea to take the girl to practice or we should go to hospital with her again? So it, it was a little how to say rumble <laughs> to <laughs> figure out how to keep me keep me in in a sports excited but at the same time still struggled with medical issues and conditions what i mean if to be honest some of them are still fixing until today so um but i think the fact that um at least try you know, it, sometimes it doesn't matter how you feel. It matters how you target the situation. And I think that really motivated me to to get on board. I want to do really badly at the Estonian National um, uh, Medal. And, and I was just really, really excited to go to practice every day. Well, it is amazing what you've accomplished, but it's clear that you don't stop at one accomplishment. For example, you're a two-time silver medalist in world ice swimming. And I don't know anything about ice swimming, except I looked at one picture of what looks like an Olympic swimming pool cut out of ice on a, a river or something. Tell us about, yeah. Yeah, tell us how you got into ice swimming and how does one train for it? <laughs> yes, yeah, especially living in Miami and then jumping on a plane and landing and, and jumping on ice cubes you know um but it it happened by kind of uh, people in Estonia and sport knowing that I am this type of person who doesn't doesn't say no rather says I figure out and I got invited to as a as a kind of being celebrity uh to take part of ice swimming world championships and represent Estonia and and I really trained and somehow it happened to be that my schedule was keeping me in Miami. So I wasn't even, you know, slipping into New York to feel a little cold or uh, going to somewhere to really try ice plunge. So I was six months training under the sun, jumped on a plane, landed in, in Estonia because Estonia was hosting that time. Meanwhile, I decided to also that my company should be uh, part of sponsoring and selling. So in one moment, I'm jumping off the plane, I'm setting up my shop on a kind of Eskimo igloo store. And then same time, I'm jumping in and swimming to 100 breaststroke. So it was really a question is uh, by my grandmother if I'm okay. <laughs> Um, but, but I kind of felt that I want to figure out, I mean, as asthmatic and as a person who had collapsed lungs, I would like to figure out how to target that situation. So I really learned to train interesting ways in Florida. I 
used actually more the pools where the heater wasn't on to get used to with the colder uh, water in Florida. I used a lot of weight training, like Navy SEAL style, to keep myself up on the water, even when it might be feeling freezing and you just want to, you know, fall down. So it was an interesting challenge. And <laughs> if I'm honest, if I'm honest, it was mentally way worse <laughs> challenging because I really had to ask my grandmother to love me and not to hate me. All I can think of is it's so cold. You just want to get out. So you hightail it to the other end. Ah, so. <laughs> yeah, but two, 200 breaststroke takes three minutes and that's not easy. That's, that's a long hard three, for your yeah. lungs. And, yeah. Yeah. So then you took up another less well-known form of swimming, which is with the monofin. So what exactly is a monofin and how were you in introduced to this type of swimming? I was introduced by Estonian coach when I was back home, but the longest one I ever did with the monofin was eight times 25 meters because to practice that underwater dolphin kick like, like Michael Phelps does it. But then when I was in U.S., I had a moment when I felt like swimming is so much more than just swimming laps and freestyle and breaststroke. It was that I really wanted girls to come to sports, to swimming sports, and be okay to putting swimsuit on. And that's how I created the mermaid school. Uh, we also ended up in the New, New York Good Morning America segment. And it became popular. And then for a while, I realized that that can be my business and that can be my next thing to to kind of advocate swimming and also advocate people to step into sports. And meanwhile, when I was swimming, Usain Bolt, my dear friend Usain Bolt, heard somewhere that I swim 10K professionally, but he always thought I swam like a mermaid as a 10k swimmer and I was like no 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 I haven't swum more than 400 meters with this monofin in, in in practice and then he kind of joked that maybe you should try to turn that into your new sport and here we are are you saying that monofins are used for competitive swimmers like to help them do their kicks for uh butterfly yes Especially the underwaters, when you look to freestyle swimmers, backstrokers, uh, butterflyers, the monofin practices helps them the most to gain the speed, feel the kick. And sometimes if you look Michael Phelps, he passes everybody thanks to those underwater kicks. Oh, okay. I thought it was just because he had really long arms. <laughs> well, that too. But right. mostly the kicks underwater is when you can win, win and get ahead of other competitors. Well, that's pretty impressive that uh, Usain Bolt uh, got you a challenge. What are you going to challenge him to do? Well, uh, he has agreed already, actually, to swim with me to raise a, uh, awareness for climate and for his foundation in Jamaica. So now we're just um, trying to get our schedules together to do that. 
But I am a little bit scared of him. So tonight I'm going to run in practice. I run again now to make sure that he's not going to challenge me more. So how different is monofin swimming to what you've done in the past? How much training is involved in preparing for the distances that you've swum? It is totally different because... Um, when I swim 10K, I can a little bit play around there with uh, when my arms get tired, maybe I kick more or when my um, legs get tired, I use more arms and don't use legs at all. Or on breaststroke, I can take a deeper glide and a little bit relax my muscles there. But in monofin, it's like a constant core and you're constantly keeping the arms up. But but if something happens with your hips, they start being on pain or core or lower back, forget it. Then then you just are on one spot. You're not you're, moving you're anywhere. A dead fish, yeah. Exactly. Dead yeah. fish, I will use that. So where did you get the idea to go for a Guinness record? And what do you have to do to have a swim counted as a Guinness record? Well, the day after when you say made that joke that you should swim 10K with the mermaid fin, that that really, I mean, if you simple challenges you, you're going next day to practice, that's for sure. And uh, and I went to world championships in 10K in, in Korea. And then everybody were like, who have seen me on the media, because I've been on the media also as outside of water person. And, and some of these people knew me and they asked if I'm showing up the world championships with the mermaid tail. I was like, this joke is going too far. You know, <laughs> it's keep, keep going and keep like, let me, let me try and get that done. And then when I got invited to the Los Angeles um, Olympic trial test event, I, I had a moment where I was kind of frustrated that nothing isn't done as sports world addressing that oceans are dying for plastic. And here we are, we, we are enjoying sport and taking, you know, moments and memories, but we need to raise awareness for, for that issue, the pollution issues, what affects our athletes sometimes on trainings and competitions. And I called up Guinness and I think I called up every single person who I knew in this world who knows about something about Guinness World Record, that how do I get the Guinness World Record and how I can set up the way that nobody else have ever done in the world. And and it, it was a difficult process. I was getting a lot of no's, but the person who I am, I don't think no, you know, easily. I, I set up a deal that you come film, ride with the boat next to me, Look how I'm doing it and later decide. And I send all the paperwork. And then one day before the um, sending out, I changed the fact that I'm going to swim 10K without using any arms for full stroke because animals are getting stuck on fishing nets and uh, plastic. So how come a dolphin has to swim 10K being stuck on a plastic and I might go and set the world record. I said, that's not fair. So, so that's how the first record was done. Everybody were amazed, including myself a little bit there. 
but it was pretty amazing to making a history and feeling that vibe that I did something what nobody else in the world have ever done it. And I did that on Olympic test event. And I love the reason that you did it. Um, and the imagery of how uh, porpoises and whales get caught in nets and they're stuck and uh, the way they swim. And something tells me that Usain Bolt is probably be a little bit afraid of you too. <laughs> so, he, he might be, but you never know. Yeah, I think so. Um, you didn't stop with one record. You continued to break your own previous records. Your most recent swim, which was 50 kilometers, took more yeah. than 14 hours. What yeah. is the challenge of being in the water for such a long time? Yes. So it it has happened that every 11 months, I keep breaking a record and, and I'm not jumping a little bit. I always jump like 10 kilometers more. And sometimes my people are like, like Merle, it's not like you just have to train a little bit more. It's like, it's, it's a lot. And I'm, I'm aware. And I, every time I'm asking myself what I'm doing, must say I'm, I enjoyed this time the most was um, having a, a lots of amazing community around me. I mean, every time when I swim, I, I can see on the side how some cities where I swim by, they just stop their life and the moms with babies are running around the island just to, you know, yell mermaid, mermaid. And this time I also had an electrical boat with me and then kayaker so we were super carbon zero net guinness world record as possible and um but what challenges i faced in these 14 hours was more that this week when i set the record we had thousand year flood the fort loaded airport was closed people had to swim out from the airport the bacteria levels were so high that I got notes kind of like you are not allowed to go and do it because it's a question of bacteria already. And out of all of it, I, I look at it, all the statistics and everything and my gut was telling me that now or never. And it felt like the nature is behind me. There is going to be so much enjoyment and connection with, with, with animals. There were there were one crocodile, there were a couple of sharks, but there oh. were two dolphins who swim by me, turned around, according to the uh, people who were observing me and who were on a boat, that these two dolphins somehow decided to turn around and come with me. And I saw that and I just couldn't believe it on myself. And it was a moment where I felt like I'm one of them and I can't describe to people. I Everybody who I saw, I told them, I, I know you guys might be tired, but I feel we're going to make it to the end. And swimming on a darkness on the last hour and a half when I finished, that was, how, how do I say, my, my lawyer said who was there, that was a gangsta move. <laughs> so... I in, really enjoy the most that 50 kilometers. I can't, uh, I have had crazy 
rides with different records, swimming against 27 knots of wind and being stung by jellyfish. But this time was one of the best. So during this swim, you not only challenged yourself to make the 50 um, kilometers, but you also picked up trash. And I have to say, I've interviewed a number of ocean plastic trash activists but none have been as personally immersed in the problem as you have. What's it like to be in the water and come into direct contact with trash? What is the saddest is because I'm not using my arms for full stroke and I just have hands on the front and sometimes the trash attacks me. That's how much trash is there. That with the current, it comes like getting hit by the head or it's next to you or or even like when I saw next to my boat, it was so easy to say trash is on your left or trash is on your right. And and sometimes I've warned my people that if I go underwater, that means I saw a trash, I'm just picking up trash. It's not like I drowned. And I constantly, like after every time when I'm passing the trash to kayak, I'm finding another one I'm going down diving down freaking up another can so basically diving one can at, at the time and that's the saddest story that how come we have got to there that I pulled 35 pounds of trash out that day when I'm going high speed I my heart rate was 178 180 and I'm still aware and seeing trash left and right and some point I had to put things on my suit because uh, the kayaker was still picking up the last trash what I pointed out but we didn't expect having 35 pounds of single picked by the mermaids well it's deeply disturbing and I wonder how you do you feel hopeful that enough people are aware of and interested in the plastic pollution problem that things will be done to address the problem? I believe that younger generations have done an incredible job of raising awareness. But I also believe that everybody's pointing too much fingers to other others instead of doing that 1% better of themselves. And I have started counting now weeks until we are by 2030 when supposed to there is more trash in the ocean than fishes because we are only 300 what is that 319 weeks away from 2030 that's that's not much but to change the habit means that every time when you're going to reach out for single-use plastic ask better ask restaurants better right ask your your um stores better like be yourself that 1% ocean hero. Because it's easy to say, oh, I went to buy all this, they gave me plastic straw, I went home. Well, you go in next day again and you do it again and it, that's a government's fault. I'm not just pointing one government out or, or the other government. I'm saying every single person can be an ocean hero and do 1% better and ask better. Well, it's been terrific to have you on the podcast and share your story. I look forward to hearing about the other challenges that you're going to take on in the future. And I hope that you are very successful in making people 
more conscientious about the way they live. We all are connected by the water. So we all have something to learn from each other. Yes, we do. And I've learned a lot from you. And I am grateful to you for your lessons about what it's like to be in the ocean and your efforts that are a little out of the ordinary that should catch people by surprise and look twice. I'd like to remind listeners that I've been speaking with Merle Levon, a record-setting swimmer who, among other things, is trying to turn the tide against ocean plastic. Merle Levon is the latest guest on the Women Mind the Water Artemis Series podcast. The series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com, Museum on Main Street, and YouTube. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on womenmindthewater.com, on iTunes and Spotify. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the use of her song, Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson.